everyone and welcome back to nerds adulting i am one of your hosts peter i'm back feeling a whole lot better and i'm joined by ruthie and josh once again ruthie how are you doing i'm doing good i'm josh? just hanging out with my boys yeah josh how about you how you doing i'm doing all right uh just you know sitting at home because sure you just sound corona, down there it's coronavirus <laughs> Yeah, it's been an interesting, I'm sure it's been interesting for you all, it's kind of, that's what I kind of want to get into to see what life has been like. For one, I'm feeling a lot better, just so you guys know. The last episode we did two weeks ago, I was hurting, and what uh, I had scheduled the interview, which was a lot of fun, mm-hmm. um, but it was great. I'm feeling a lot better now, I'm more, I'm super motivated, I'm super happy, because I, I actually missed you guys, I really wanted to do an episode last week, but um, mm-hmm. I'm super excited to talk about this week about video games because that's all we're going to be talking about in the news it's all video games the main topic is about video games and so uh, I'm super excited to, to talk about today's episode um, so that being said I want to play catch up we haven't really talked much in the past two weeks and I kind of want to see what you guys have been up to spend a couple minutes just talking about what we've been getting into uh, what do you guys say you guys cool with that yeah yeah uh, okay cool so Ruthie what have you been doing the past couple weeks um okay past couple of weeks uh i'm a well i'm an essential so i've still been working uh so props and recognition to everybody out there that <laughs> still has to work uh and actually go out and deal with people because <laughs> it's been tough <laughs> um but uh so i've had to do that still so and it's it's been kind of nutty de- dealing with the general public in that sense but it's all right uh other than that uh, I'm pretty excited because um, I've talked about it on a past episode, but uh, something I really want to do is uh, I want to produce uh, like radio theater, I guess. And now it's just called podcasting. Yeah. So I want to do like the narrative, you know, the radio shows like the old days. There's a lot of podcasts out there that do it. Um, but that's what I would love to do is have my own brand. And I kind of have been talking to people and a project of mine got picked up. So it's going to be my first opportunity to do that as a producer Uh, so I'm like super hyped although I feel extremely intimidated because now it's like now that you got your foot in the door can you do it girl so that's what I hope so I'm kind of like that's awesome super excited it's a great opportunity it's a great learning experience and I'm super hyped to create something that's gonna be super awesome and fun so that's been my focus this last week (laughs) oh man that's really cool congratulations I hope uh, I'm sure it'll be amazing and it'll be fantastic um, so is that it? Anything else? Anything new? How's streaming going? Are we all? Uh, yeah, I've been streaming some. I've been having a lot of fun. I've been playing a lot of different games. Uh, my the people that watch me stream, they always give me ridiculous games. <laughs> so, <laughs> I had fun. So I did some. Uh, I did another round of dragon drinking games. People seem to like that. <laughs> um, and then, who doesn't like uh, watching someone get plastered on, on on Twitch while they play a video game? It's true. I did better than last time, but it, yeah, no, it's it's completely. I even did like crazy horrendous singing. I don't know what I was doing, <laughs> so I just get messages the next day about what I did, and I'm like, oh no. I need to turn on notifications started... for you because I I always see your tweets like 16 hours ago. Ruthie Ren tweeted, and I was like, oh man, like I totally missed it. I need to turn on notifications <laughs> so I know when you're getting them. <clears throat> right? Yeah. No, it's lots of fun. I had fun and stuff, and I've pl- I've played some jump scare ones. They love when I get scared too. So. Uh, I'm going to 
play some of those games and stuff, but I'm actually thinking about firing up Stardew recently. Mm. I've been thinking about it because I'm just like in the in the mood for it, I guess. Something trans-like, you yeah, know, no, gamer trans. <laughs> yeah, no, that's Stardew is an amazing game. That's that definitely, I'm not sure if how that would play out as a streamer, like watching someone play, but I guess if you're hanging out and got that vibe going on, it'd be actually a perfect game for that. So, but um, yeah. I think so. But who knows? Either way, I want to play it. So. Cool. <laughs> if nobody wants to watch it, I'm just going to hang. Yeah, <laughs> right. <Yay. laughs> um, Josh, what have you been up to, man? Uh, so I'm also essential. Been going to work, uh, dealing with people's travel. Uh, even though nobody's really traveling right now, it's just dealing with like their vouchers and stuff. Um, I had staff duty on Friday. That was great. I uh, got a chunk of my weekend taken away. Uh, been playing a lot of Hunt Showdown, Squad, and Tarkov. I've actually been playing with uh, Justin. You remember Justin? Kat yeah, Austin? yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been playing with him. Uh, been having fun learning the ropes of Tarkov. I'm actually kind of getting into it a little bit more. Uh, I know I got it when it came out, and then I've kind of like it's kind of intimidating and very, very uh, unforgiving. So it's like I haven't been playing it much, but when you have other people to play with, it's it's a lot more fun. So I've been doing that. Mm-hmm. But uh, other than that, just kind of keeping my head down, staying at home. Uh, finally getting into the last season of Walking Dead Ugh. and uh, <laughs> watching I... uh, Ozark, finished Ozark, okay, which is good really about, good. Yeah, I've heard good things about Ozark. I need to yeah. jump on that. Yeah, it's really good. I'd never seen it before, and then they dropped the third season, and people were like, you need to watch this. And uh, so April and I sat down and watched it, and I was like, oh, my God, this is really good. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much all it's been for me. Nice, yeah, cool. I've been meaning to. I was thinking about picking up Escape from Tarkov a while ago. I just, you know, we're gonna get into that kind of discussion on like what makes us buy uh, the games that we do and choose the games that we play. Um, That's probably one of them that I still have not purchased. I just, you know, I haven't gotten around to it, but it it looks interesting to me. Uh, But for me, I actually so it's been about two weeks. I picked up Resident Evil Three Remake on Steam for on sale for like forty bucks. And I played it, beat it, loved it. That was great. It was a little short. Um, it was a, it, it was a lot of fun. But I've really, really been enjoying Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, picked that up last weekend, and I've been playing that a whole lot. I'm a little bit more than halfway through. And the game is just... I played the original. It's like one of my favorite games of all time. And I will say this, this remake has just been so beautifully well done. I can't stop taking pictures. I'm sure you guys have seen me on social media. I mean, I did a whole yeah, blog. Absolutely. I did a whole blog post about it. It's just, I'm still taking pictures. Like, I think that's probably why I'm taking so long to beat the game. Cause it's just so, so beautiful. Um, and yeah, I'm still working. I get to work from home. Um, I'm lucky in that aspect. I'm very appreciative that I, my wife and I still have jobs during this time mm-hmm. and we can work mm-hmm. from home. So, uh, we try to, one thing that we're doing is we're trying to frequent, uh, restaurants around, around us. So, um, whether it's fast food or just mom and pop places, we try to go and, and, support them as much as we can i leave tips you know like i'll go into domino's spend 20 bucks believe a 10 dollar tip i don't know who it goes mm-hmm. to same thing with brooklyn pizza which is another local place uh, everywhere i go so we're just trying to you know make 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 some uh make the best of it i did play one thing i would say is we played pandemic together as a family for the first time since i got it and that was a lot of fun i had a lot of fun playing we all did. what is that it's like oh, wow. a, i haven't played that game in forever yeah it's a board game where Basically, you have to cooperatively work together to stop an outbreak of four different 
uh, viruses. It's really fun. It's, it's like two to six players. Mm-hmm. I made it a little bit harder because I, I, my son's not a big board game fan, so I wanted to make it end a little bit quicker. But it was it was a lot of fun. We actually really enjoyed it. It was like the first time my kids were old enough to play it and truly enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like when we first got the uh, game, yeah, they were yeah. a little bit too young. It was a bit too much. But now my daughter's seven, my son's ten, and now they're really they can kind of understand the rules more. So it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. We all enjoyed it. So that was one of the things that we nice. did yesterday. So that's pretty much it. Just trying to stay, uh, you know, stay occupied and um, trying to, you know, try to do trying to do something to keep our minds uh, away from all this craziness that's going on. Just a surreal time for for me right now. Yeah. Every time I think about it. So. Yeah. Um, that being said, I hope everyone else is being safe. I hope everyone else's, um, you know, family is safe and they're not dealing with this. It's just a, that's a crazy time. Yep. Got um, my homemade mask. Yeah. I've been, <laughs> I have, like, I have this like painter's mask that I wear when I go to Walmart for groceries. Oh so, yeah. Division style. Yeah. So it's, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So that being said, we're all caught up. Uh, again, I'm super happy we're back. I want to dive into some news topics some things that came up um this week uh what are you, you guys cool you guys ready to move on yeah okay. let's hit it so this is one of the things i always i always joke around with pc master race and like the console fanboys like it's always funny to me and i'm always like i'm always posting popcorn memes every time people are you know yeah. <laughs> on twitter fighting each other debate. yeah and i'm like oh here, here we go and then i just like egg them on like add fuel to the fire oh well sony did this so but i will say there's one thing that pc PC gamers struggle with more so than any other console, and that is cheaters on online oh, yeah. games. And so, I'm sure you all have seen it, uh, Josh. I saw the video you posted. I've seen many other videos. So Call of Duty Warzone console players are now turning off the crossplay feature to escape PC cheaters. Wow. Um, so last week, um, Polygon put out an article talking about this. Uh, cheating is an increasing issue for Call of Duty Modern Warfare across both traditional multiplayer and Warzone, but if feels pronounced in the Battle Royale mode, this week developer Infinity Ward said it had issued over 70,000 bans worldwide to protect Warzone from cheaters. We are watching. We have zero tolerance for cheaters, the studio tweeted. So, that being said, Josh, I know you've played Call of Duty, and I know... I've played um, a considerable amount. Yeah, you played it a lot more than I have, and this is one of the things that turned me off about it originally, because I have it for PC, was the amount of cheating that was going on. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think about that? It's pretty, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of people that are banned. <clears throat> so not only have I, uh, like, seen the videos and stuff, but I've actually experienced it, you know, firsthand. It's It's really frustrating, because... I mean, I personally don't understand the point of cheating in a game. I mean, I can understand, like, cheesing stuff. Like, oh, there's, like, a a gimmick in the game where there's some kind of, like, code that you can break, like in Skyrim, right? So, for example, back in in the day when Skyrim first came out, I figured out this way to, like, over-enchant and then, like, a dagger, like a basic dagger in Skyrim. And then my dagger, like I'd kept doing it over and over and over and over and over. Cause it wouldn't stack. I mean, cause it would stack. It would, there was no cap on it. And then eventually I had a dagger that did like fucking 12 trillion damage, you know? So, um, that's like a different thing though. You're not affecting other people. Right. It's like the, it's the game is yours. It's your world. The whole thing is yours. But like when you're doing it in call of duty, like people have these aim boxes, these aim bots and, and stuff like that. I, I remember the first time that I experienced it, it wasn't against me, but it made the whole other team quit. 
So like I lost that game. Like I mean, it, we can it was considered it a win, but I lost the experience of getting in that game because somebody on my team decided to have an aimbot, and he was a PC player, obviously, and he had like thirty six kills in like fucking two minutes because Whoa. we were playing on because we were playing on hardcore, and uh, I would usually I my answer to that is yeah, turn off crossplay. But one of the main people that I play with uh, that's in my party is a, a buddy of mine. He's from Canada, and he. He plays on PC, and What's I up, want Michael? to play with him. Shout yeah, out to Michael. Michael. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Michael. I enjoy playing with him. You know, he's a lot of fun to play with and get to know and talk through rounds. You know, he's a very positive guy. But I don't. <laughs> I have to deal with the potential chance of having a cheater in the midst when I play with him. It's so bad. And I and I assume that it's frustrating for him too because that's his only way to play. Yeah. Mm. But in Warzone, I've never personally experienced it. But. uh in in regular multiplayer i have and i've also had the opportunity to like ream those people out like hey man like you you suck blankety blank blank you know <laughs> it's it's bad i i haven't even played warzone that was one of the reasons why i had a really bad experience before warzone and warzone, warzone is out. good too yeah. like it's good like it's one of the best battle royale games i've played and i've played a lot I kind of saw this on the horizon though with it being free to play. I was like, oh man, you have so many people playing. But I don't know, Ruthie, what did you think? Did you see some of the videos and stuff that have come out and what people have been saying about it? Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I have seen a few of the videos. Um, I played Call of Duty so much like in college. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I've always played on console and yeah, no, I don't know how far back the, the cross. Uh, Crossplay was this just this issue it was the first time. Just this was, one, yeah. Call of Duty yeah. Modern Warfare came out. That was the first one of the first games to do crossplay with. I think uh, what was that? Fort, Fortnite. Fortnite was one, and then Fortnite. the car soccer game. Um, oh, uh, blanking yeah. on it, but that was one too. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's. Um, I guess my thing about the whole cheating thing is like. If I don't know, I'm just like, why cheat? I, I guess that's like the. I know you want to win. I guess some people just really want to win that badly, or like want those stats or whatever. But I'm just like, in general, like if it's just a game, like why not just get good? Like I don't, I don't know. Like if you're gonna put that much time and effort into it, and you play it enough, I guess you should just get yeah. better. But I, like I could see where it'd be completely frustrating because I grew up with a younger brother that did not like to lose. And when he would lose, he would throw a fit and he wouldn't play. But then when he was winning by cheating or like, oh, my gosh, I don't know if anybody remembers, but like Halo, when you could play local console together and you have the screens and that don't screen look, don't screen look, you're screen watching like, oh, my gosh, those days. Golden Eye was the one for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Perfect Dark. (laughs) All this, like, you know, that's how it used to be. You couldn't play in other places. You had to be on the local console. So, like, even then when somebody was cheating, like, it does kill it, especially when they start winning and then they start talking all cocky about it. And it just, like, really ruins, like, the whole experience at the end of the day. Because nowadays, I think the people that are cheating, they're like that. They talk cocky about it. And when you get upset, they would be like, well, if I can do it, anybody can do it. And if you're not going to do it, then you deserve to lose. You know, like, I don't know. It's just, just an attitude. I can yeah, see why I would be the type that would be like, oh, well, if that's how y'all play, I don't want to play with you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would turn it off, too, if I had it on PS4, if I had it on any console, not just PS4. Um, but it's just, 
I don't understand it. I don't. I think it's for you know people just like to troll these days. You know, it's a huge thing in our mm-hmm. society nowadays, especially online. They just like to troll other people, and that's where the enjoyment comes from. It. It's really, it's really shit. I don't even know what what else you could gain from it other than some form of laughter or humor from it. I don't really understand what you could gain from from that. It's it's because eventually, like people, I feel like people underestimate the whole cheating thing. Like they cheat. And it's like, oh, cool, I'm cheating. But, like, dude, somebody's going to report you, and you will get banned. Like, don't you get tired of, like, having to create new accounts or bypass or having to wait or not be having to wait to be able to play that game again if it's a temporary ban? You know what I mean? Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, doesn't that – aren't you tired of that? Mm. Yeah, I mean – I just I don't understand it. I just I I don't. Yeah. It doesn't yeah, make any I mean, sense like, to me. And yeah, I I think that with we all know another Call of Duty is going to be coming out, which sucks because this game is so good. This is like one of the better Call of Duties that have come out um, re- over the past few years. I think that once the, once they announce officially announce a new Call of Duty, that cheaters won't won't be banned anymore it'd be and even now they're struggling to to handle it you can clearly see everyone's having issues you can say they've banned seventy thousand people but it's still going on right now like they don't have an answer to it and i don't in my my opinion is from their perspective we all know how activision feels when it comes to money or their actions in the past you know they're they're about the money they're about yeah so why would they need they've already made millions of dollars off this game why would they need to invest any money or any time into it you know to to combat these cheaters that's how i think i don't i could be wrong but no i i kind of agree with you in the fact that i'm like i mean it sucks and they don't really have an answer for it and stuff because they don't like i mean the volume of it yeah they did like like you said they did the seventy thousand bands i bet they're not going to hold up when something new comes about you know and stuff like that but i think my thing is is when you're in it, when you're a business, you know, they are going to be about like, we want to sell the games. So I don't think they're going to like delve too much money into actually super prevent this Mm. because they want those game sales. But at the end of the day, as much as it's, you know, this huge controversy and stuff like that, giving people the ability to not play with cheaters, I guess, is a small answer, you know, but I mean, because people can still buy and just decide not to play with those people. But I think, I think at the end, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, I, I don't get the cheating thing. I don't, I, just because me, especially some people go like crazy to like learn all these things to do. And I'm like, you could just, why is that a thing? But, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So I want to move on to another issue that I think relates to this topic. You guys ready to move on? Yep. All right. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you all know, new, but Valorant uh, is a game made, it's a game developed by Riot riot games uh it, it's in beta right now and it's a closed beta so you have to get access to it but what people have found out they have an anti-cheat software called i'm missing it i can't off the top of my head whatever they have anti-cheat software that is a little seems a little bit invasive on the cover so uh, i believe it was a this is a polygon article that i got it from um it says in a blog post on the League of Legends website, Riot developer Philip Koskinas explained that the that Riot was working on a new kernel driver anti-cheat system. Um, kernel driver. So kernel is like basically the lowest layer of an operating system. So if you're at the kernel level, you're at everything. You can touch everything, tra- internet traffic, permissions. It's like 
you can do any, you can see and do anything at that level. Just think of it as like the most OP level, right? Um, mm-hmm. So Riot decided to take its new anti-cheat detection to the deepest level it could to detect any cheat above it. Riot needed something on the kernel level to achieve that, and that meant starting the anti-cheat driver as soon as the computer boots up. So here's some things that also people have brought up. Riot Games is owned by Tencent. Tencent is also owned by the Chinese government. So a lot of people are looking at this as some conspiracy stuff. Now, <laughs> so which, which, I mean... I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to say because um, you, you look at things that like Reddit and the control that they have and the bots with Twitter and things like that. That's another topic for another day. Um, but I think it's a valid concern. I'm not sure how valid. But they all they did stem, like I said, they, Riot developers went and they tried to address all these things saying we're only looking at data relative to the game. Now, that being said, it's just kind of like the flip side of what's going on with Call of Duty. So we're all, everyone's complaining about Call of Duty Warzone and the issues of cheaters. Sounds like that the Valorant beta anti-cheat software will be able to mitigate that. So like, Mm. and we don't really know what data they're collecting until until more research is conducted. Like, I'd be interested to see, look at the packets, the internet packets. So I work in cybersecurity. These are some things that I would be interested in looking is one the ip addresses that it's calling back home to um are they going back to chinese ip addresses that are owned by the government that'd be one thing i'd be interested to see and then looking at the packets now the packets might be encrypted so you might not be able to see it but those are the kind of things that i would look at that being said what do you guys think ruthie i'll start with you what do you, what do you think about this news that's come to light about this seems like a uh, powerful or invasive on the surface invasive uh, anti-cheat software um, well, I guess my thing is it's, yeah, it's great. <laughs> I feel more like, okay, like at the end of the day, like these are just video games. <laughs> like, I know, is I it know, though? Is it? I know, yeah. Is it? It's China. Um, no, 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 no. But I mean, no, I'm not saying like for them, but I'm just saying like, like with the cheating stuff and having to like go dark, you know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, like it just seems so dramatic and so like crazy. And then in my head, I'm like, what information could they gain? But like everybody does, like I can see the conspiracy of it, you know, or whatever the validity of it. Like if you work in cybersecurity, you know a lot more than I do about the crazy stuff out there that can be done. But like, you know, so everybody does everything and you have so many accounts attached to your gaming accounts, like like just alone on my like PC, I've got like my Steam, my Xbox, my, you know, my PayPal, like everything is all set up and it's all integrated and connected to each other. So like, I don't know what people could do if they were able to go in dark enough into, you know, this software to like prevent me from cheating. I say in air quotes, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know what yeah. they could do. And if it's on their system, Nobody can really, like, they're policing themselves, kind of. So, you know, it's one of those things. So, and, um, you know, I, I don't know. Like, it's a crazy thought. But at the same time, I don't I don't think it's an invalid one because I don't know a whole lot about technology. <laughs> so when somebody tells me that this could be done on the computer, I'm probably going to believe you. <laughs> and the fact that I couldn't figure it out tells me it's probably valid. Like, in the fact that I'm just... I was excited that I made like an overlay and I still flopped at that. Like, <laughs> so, and I did it with an integrated system. I didn't even do it on my own. <laughs> so, well, that's awesome. Um, Congratulations. 
Hey, yeah, yeah, no, I'm trying. Baby steps. So, um, it's just crazy. I mean, like, and it, I guess my thing is they're so crazy about it being anti-cheat software. It's almost like they're trying to answer what Activision doesn't have an answer for. But to do so, it's almost like martial law a little bit, you know? Like, and internet, I think that's, yeah. yeah, I think that's why people are getting a little crazy about it or why it's so controvers- controversial is because... You, you know, you're this, like, we, want, we don't want cheaters, but they're like, okay, but to not have cheaters, we need to know everything about you. Like, and it's just like, this, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> this makes me think of like, I imagine a Thanos meme and it was like, did you stop? The, <laughs> did you stop the cheaters? And, you know, he goes, yes. And then it's like, at what cost? Everything, right you know? <laughs> everything. Yeah, no, it's um, true though. Like that's, that's, I mean, but that's a, that's not just a game thing. I think that's a lot of things when people are like, you know, we want this done we want this done or we need this or we need better you know restrictions against people that are bad but then when you talk about people that are quote-unquote good they're gonna have to deal with these new blanket laws that everybody has to deal with because of cheaters you know what i'm saying so it's like so that's and that's anything if you look at anything across the board like in society and stuff any kind of quote-unquote community or societal issue if you want control for more for the bad eggs, then that means that the good eggs have to deal with it too, you know, and have to have some invasion and some, you know, inconveniences. Yeah. So, and I, I find it interesting because like, what if this does work? Is it worth it? Like to know that they have the ability to look at everything your computer can do. Like that, this makes me, it's an interesting question. Josh, what do you think about um, this anti-cheat software? It's, you know, I'm basically in the same boat as Ruthie. Like, is it really worth putting the pain on the people who are obeying the rules? You know what I mean? Because, I mean, at the same time, I'm not in cybersecurity, so I don't have as much of an understanding as maybe you do, you know? So I get the idea that it's looking at everything on your computer. Like, but does it do the, does the anti-cheat only apply to Valorant? And if it only applies to Valorant, then what's the point? If it's looking at your whole computer, is it going to detect cheat software for other games? Is it going to do anything for those people? No, it's only going to deal with the stuff that's associated with Valorant. And so that's the question that I was thinking, too. And that's what the developers are saying is it's only relative to cheat software. That's what they are saying. There's no evidence. They can't really provide any evidence, I guess. It would have to be up to us, up to the people to provide that information, which will happen. People will take information and they will investigate it which is what happened this is how it came to fruition was people realizing this was required um that this was at boot level when you turn on your computer it comes on that's that's the level that it's at and that's when people started diving into it um the question is is do you want things like all of like who knows what they're checking but do you want all of your internet traffic going to them or if god forbid to china's government you know this is stuff that could happen at the level that this is at you know all the internet traffic that's coming to your computer into your house tv shows that you watch accounts that you have this is stuff that they could get access to if they wanted and so that's what people are worried about but on the same same thing as a gamer we see what's going on with call of duty and the how much it's affecting that community and it really really sucks so it's almost and if riot is not doing that then Okay, so I think it's a question of what what is actually going on with this software, you know, what what proof do we have of what information they're taking? And I don't know how they can show that, but I think tech people will eventually find out. 
Um, yeah. And, it's, and, that, and that also that at that token, it's also hard to prove what they're actually doing too. So it's it's almost you know it's hard. It's just, it's a hard thing to you know get around. I don't know. It'd For be me, different if like the ploy of it was like, oh, we're gonna scan your computer and give you the information, and then you get to decide what you do with it. But how do you know that information is what it is? You know, and they, I don't know. I know. I think about that, but yeah. I think about. I agree with you, but then at the same time, how do you know that that's not just a gimmick to get people to trust you? Like, oh, we say that we're going to give the right. information only to you, and you get to decide whether or not you're going to report it. But that might be just like for something for them to say in order to get you to accept the fact that they're monitoring your computer to begin with. Right. Oh, I just thought it was really interesting, and I felt mm-hmm. like it was a nice segue from you know the call of duty issue that's going on right now too but that's all i really have do you guys have anything else that you want to add with the valorant game and the beta and anti-cheat no no i think it'll just be interesting to see where they keep going with it yeah and that one thing i'm curious to know is the game good like is it is it i know there's been so much talk about it i (laughs) think the funniest thing for valorant is all i've heard is like all the memes that keep saying still waiting on my Valorant key, you know, yeah. like to get it. And then the other thing is like the security stuff. So I'm like, but the game, has anybody played the game? Like, is it, what's going on with the game? <laughs> I saw some highlights and I wasn't really that impressed, but it was, again, it was just some highlights, but I was like, man, this doesn't look all that, that great. And I don't like hero based shooters all that much any, anymore. I liked Overwatch for a little bit, but that being said, uh, that's just, I thought it was an interesting topic. Um, all right. So the last news thing I want to get into, so Sony, I don't think they're really shooting themselves in the foot, but there's been some interesting stuff that's been coming out. We So we still don't know what the price is going to be for, for the PlayStation 5 or the Xbox Series X, but mm-hmm. I feel like Microsoft, for their to their credit, I think they've done a great job of handling how they did these rolled out announcements. I think they've just been, they, we already know what the console's going to look like. We've got mm-hmm. all that information. I mean, we just recently got the controller for the PS5, what it looks like, which was kind of funny. People were throwing a bunch of memes about it. It didn't really bother me that much. <laughs> But I thought it was kind of funny. But some news came out uh, from Bloomberg, and they talked to some people off the record. So this is from Bloomberg's article. Uh, The Tokyo-based tech giant is limiting its initial production run in part because it expects the PS5's ambitious specs to weigh on demand by leading to a high price at launch. So they're saying that they're looking to roll out with five to six million units of the PS5 uh, for up through the fiscal year ending in March 2021. That mm. being said, the comparison, the PlayStation 4, which launched in November 2013, sold 7.5 million units in the first two quarters. So basically, it's about the same time frame. Um, they're mm-hmm. going to have about 1.5 million less units estimated. And then the game developers who've been making titles for the next PlayStation anticipate its price to be in the region of $499 to $549, which I think the Xbox Series X will be around the same price. I think they'll actually be the same price when they come out based on what I've read. But that being said, I thought it was interesting the way they're rolling out this news. This is not official news. This is stuff that they're saying they got from uh, off-the-record kind of things. But what did you guys take of that? I thought it was kind of interesting that they're going to have less units sold and it might actually be harder to come come by you know, and just how Sony's been announcing everything has been interesting to me thus far. So, Josh, I'll let you roll through because I know you're a, you're a PlayStation 4 guy, so I'll let you go first. So, um, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I wasn't sure if I was muted. My bad. <laughs> um, so, I think that this might be a tool that they're using uh, in order to work out kinks from that first wave 
You know what I mean? Because like I'm pretty sure everybody understands that trial and error is the best teacher, right? So um, if they're if they're pushing out like just a limited run of PS5s, it could be, you know, one of the reasons could be due to the fact that they don't know how it's going to perform under stress. Because I'm pretty sure they're doing all their tests now. But gamers are gross, you know, <laughs> sometimes. And they can put their hey, PlayStation 5 hey. at the bottom. Hey, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> they put, they put, people put their PlayStation 5 in their cat litter box because they don't have anywhere to put it. They put are it you at speaking the bottom. from your GameStop game <laughs> advisor days experience? <laughs> no, 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 no. But you know what I'm saying. Like, right. I've, you've seen some setups that are absolutely disgusting that yeah. are very, very – people don't think so, but it can be very taxing on your console, the place that it's placed. And not only that, but – just those games as they come out they're going to have higher demands and so it's i think it's going to be a topic about optimization like oh in the last three months we've seen this many playstation 4s have been reported this many playstation 5s have been reported like as crashing or we're able to fit more technology now and we pushed out this batch of ps5s that we might not be very confident in just so that we can gain some capital and then now we have that capital to put into improving the console that we intend to actually roll out with, you know, as the standard. Yeah, I mean, mm. Ruthie, what do you think? Uh, I don't. Yeah, like the limited release thing. When anybody that it's something that we've been waiting on for a long time. When they do like limited release stuff, I always think it's because there's something they haven't worked out. Like, it's either something they haven't worked exactly. out. Or they're trying to corner the demand. Like, they're trying to con- corner, like, the demand aspect of it, you know. Um, but I, I feel like I feel like they've kind of, I don't know, like, the controller came out. And the controller looks cool. Like, I even liked it and stuff. And the memes have been hilarious <laughs> based yeah. on what it, lo- what it looks like and everything and stuff. But I feel like the fact that they're limiting it, knowing what they sold for the last console, I feel like they, in my head, I would have made more units you know, than what we sold last time because there's more gamers now. There's, you know, most people, most people now having a console or having a few different consoles in house is common. And it's everybody that plays on PlayStation would be ready, like would be excited about the upgrade, you know? So I feel like making less units than they sold feels kind of a little odd to me. Like I feel, I feel like they're holding something back. Uh, either because there's bugs or, you know, maybe they don't want to have a lot of recalls. You know, yeah. maybe they want to limit that pool of recalls. That's a good uh, point. You know, because I, I think of, like, the Red Ring with, like, the Xbox. Like, when mm. they released it, they know. They, like, at first, like... Did they, any of you know, guys... It, I just want to... Hold on. Did you have an experience with that? Did you, Josh? I'm just curious to know. The Red Ring? Yeah. I did. Yeah, so okay. I had the Red Ring uh, I did seven times. Oh, and, gosh. Yeah, with seven Xboxes. And... I had the experience of opening my Xbox to apply my own thermal paste because Microsoft kept sending me one that they just, it would just red ring again. So, <laughs> yeah, I actually bought a kit off eBay to try to fix, fix mine. And it eventually got to the point where I had to have a fan pointed at my exposed heat sink. In order for my Xbox to run. That's funny. I was just curious because so many people had that experience. I was like, did anyone not have that experience now? Yeah, right. Yeah. And I'm I'm still I'm an Xbox girl and it like it only happened to me one time though. Yeah, same here. 
um, I was able to, um, I mean, you guys talk about doing this pans and thermal tape thing and stuff. I was able to like, just trade out my console, like basically no, I did that too. A new one. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I guess I did it you seven times. Had issues. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, Hey, um, yeah, no. So I mean like they just mailed me the new one and then that one worked and stuff. But like, I feel like they knew about that. Then it costs them more money and stuff. So I feel that this is like something's going on. And they're just not telling anybody and they're trying to limit what possibly whatever that issue is. Because, yeah, I just feel yeah. that. Because I, mean, um, I don't feel that. I feel like gaming and online stuff like gaming and things like that has kind of exploded a little bit with all the shut-ins. Because what are people doing? Like, you know, like, you know, even people that are work from home. Like, you know, they, if you don't have your, like, to honestly, if you don't have your boss watching you, like, I know a lot of people joke about the Switch at the desk and oh, console, that's like, me. what? Yeah, no, no, which is fine. That, <laughs> no, people are doing or, that. Like, yeah, I, saw, I saw one of, <laughs> uh, one guy set up, one guy set up as he had the, uh, he had like his computer in front of it and it showed him, I think he was just joking, but he like got off and he's like, yes, ma'am. He's just like, I'm always happy to help you. And he like took off his little headset and everything. And then he like basically turned his chair like, like just rotated it 90 degrees and he pulled out his his uh, xbox controller and his tv was literally 15 feet on the other wall and so he was like playing xbox and wow. then uh, and then like uh then you hear that like another like a skype call or something whatever for his company and then he like pushed pause again and then he he like put his headset back on he's like hi thank you for calling you know and like he did it and he was just like this is what i do every day that reminds me of an old but great youtube video called tech guy versus sales guy if you guys haven't seen that yet that video is hilarious and it's, it it's very similar to what you're talking about um, yeah but i just feel like it's exploded so i feel like in like i said most people have consoles now, like at least a few different consoles um so I just feel the fact that they're limiting, there's something going on that I feel it doesn't add up to like what I would think would be projected sales, yeah. uh, in my opinion. But that's me. I don't know them. I'm not. I'm not a. You know. I. I I'm not a sleeper agent for PlayStation <laughs> who plays Xbox. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. What they're doing. So, but yeah, it just seems odd to me. I feel like they they should just have an on point demand. Like if we sold 7.5 million. For the last console, then we should at least be making seven point five million because I feel like if they can't buy our consoles, they're going to buy the other one that comes out. Is how I feel from a sales perspective. Yeah, I mean uh, it's interesting. This this go. I'm very interested to see what what happens at launch. We can talk a little bit about purchasing okay. and making our choices with games that we play. Or whatever. That's because that's one of the main topics at hand. But. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point that you make is that maybe they're being conservative because they're worried about issues. That's an interesting take. And I would not be surprised, you know, if they know that they're having issues and that they may have problems with their systems, it would make sense for them to say, hey, let's roll back and and launch a limited amount versus pushing out as many as we can. Um, yeah. Well, it? and maybe... Oh, sorry. Keep no, going. go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, well, and maybe... I mean, if we want to talk about the state of the world right now, economically, you know, it's a questionable time for like a lot of companies and a lot of, uh, you know, networks. And so maybe they're just trying to be conservative because if they do have an issue and there are some recalls, maybe there's not. But maybe they they don't have a huge, you know, they don't have to dip into like 
their, I don't know, whatever, their pool of just-in-case money, you know? Because yeah. it seems like a lot of people have had to do that for uh, a lot of other companies. They've had to do that with all this virus stuff and shut-ins and chains-ups and, you know, just the inconveniences of if you still run as a business, just getting what you need to keep running as a business has also inconvenienced people, um, you know, and made things harder. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe they're just trying to be conservative because of that. If we do have issues, let's try to keep them to a minimum cost-wise because of everything that's gone down this year so far. Who knows? Yeah. I, from what I could gather from the article, it sounded like they were more leaning towards the cost of the parts to make the machine will be high, and they're trying to weigh the demand versus cost and how they're going to – because, you know, usually companies take a hit on new consoles. So they're like, do how much of a hit do they really want to take? It sounds like it's going to be really expensive given the specs that they've released. It's also, the Series X is going to be probably pretty expensive to make, uh, and they're probably not going to launch launch the systems that would have cost to make. They're probably going to take a loss on it. And Sony, um, obviously, they're not as big as Microsoft. Microsoft, you know, makes – is a huge – I mean, I don't think it's it's hard to put in perspective just how much bigger Microsoft is as a company when compared to Sony. Um, True. And so Microsoft, everyone says, could take a larger hit and they could sell their system probably cheaper um, and, and take that hit and they'll be okay, where Sony probably can't. So that's why they're probably being very careful with this. And that's what I kind of got from the article that I was reading from Bloomberg. But um, mm-hmm. uh, that being said, do you guys have anything else on the, on the Sony thing so we can uh, move on to our uh, main topic? No. Mm, can't think about it can't think of anything cool all right all right so moving on to our main topic which really revolves around two questions two things is like one how do you decide on what games you purchase and or play and also the the recent slew of remakes which have been very very well done very well received and kind of like is it a good thing and then we're gonna talk about that too so let's get started josh this was your question you posed to me um, a few weeks ago was how do you decide on what games you purchase and play so i thought it was kind of interesting um i'll let you start off okay so uh it's it's i feel like this is a good topic to talk about um Mostly because everybody's different, right? And so what might work for one person doesn't work for the other. So the way that I choose uh, games is I like uh, contemporary uh, warfare games, right? So I'm not really a big fan of like... Hmm. I mean, Pascal in the army? That's not cliche at all. No, 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 no. (laughs) But what I mean by contemporary warfare is like I'm not a really big fan of like World War I games, and like i'm kind of spent on it you know what yeah. i mean i prefer more like modern warfare like tailored to that kind of stuff and i like shooters i like uh, <clears throat> i like fantasy games but i don't like when a fantasy game is like too in depth so like skyrim was perfect but then you get and like people that like world of warcraft like that i feel like that's way too much stuff for me like i feel like i'd be overwhelmed with it but then again i play games like tarkov where it has like all of these crazy mechanics and all of these little details that you have to pay attention to and every little number makes a difference but because it's like in this contemporary uh shooter genre like that's why i enjoy it another thing that i look at is price so i feel like a lot of people that Maybe they don't have jobs or they depend on their parents uh, to, to get them games or they don't make as much money as they would like. They have to be very selective with uh, what they, what they, 
how much money they allocate to their their gaming budget, I guess you could say. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I just I play it by ear with how much a game costs, and if I really want to play it, like if I really want to play a game, but it's like sixty bucks, I'm like I'll wait because, and then. I won't go out of my way. I, sometimes I do. So, like, I forget what game it was, but I went out of my way to not see anything about it because I wanted to play it. But it was, I also thought it was way too much money uh, to purchase it outright. So, like, um, for example, the Escape from Tarkov uh, Edge of Darkness edition costs 150 bucks, And Ooh, I, reserve, I reserved it way ahead like before it came out it's not like i found it and it came out and then i bought it like i reserved it way ahead so when it when it came out like i already had it uh, ready to go um but then there's stuff like and then there's extreme editions and gold editions and platinum editions and all this stuff and all of that stuff also plays a role in how i choose whether or not i'm gonna spend the money on it because like what does it come with oh it came with two themes and it's 30 extra dollars no i'm sorry so I think that survival games are also a big aspect are also a big uh like a uh, draw to me. I like the whole survival aspect thing and I like when games make you like have to work around uh, like very serious problems. So like Daisy, you know I like Daisy, but that like you can get sick and die and not have to deal with a- another player when you play that game. I mean, you, Peter, have personal experience with it. You're like, I drank some water out of a creek and died 20 minutes later. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened. So, um, but I enjoy that. And I feel like as, a, as an adult, my enjoyment of games has kind of stayed the same. Uh, multiplayer games are, you know, they can be fun. But I prefer, to, I prefer games where it's like cooperative stuff. So... Um, for example, I like Battle Royale games because you can play it by yourself. You can play a cooperative with other people and you're playing against other people. But that th- there's still like a survival aspect of it. you got to heal and you got to do all this kind of stuff. So like I've played Ring of Elysium, PUBG, Fortnite, Call of Duty. Uh, Hunt Showdown is like this light Battle Royale kind of situation going on because you have objectives integrated into the game. And I really like the 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 artistic aspect of Hunt Showdown. Like it's like this... 1800s like bolt action rifles and stuff i mean that's not contemporary warfare but it has its own spin on things to make it interesting so like people they have powers and there's demons and so those are kind of like the draws to me and then you really have to learn how to balance what you what you spend your money on too because if i know for a fact that if i was you know a single guy i would spend way more money on on video games than i do now and also, not only that, but the thing, the, the, what, are, what's the word that I'm looking for? The peripherals that come with, you know, playing games. I love games a lot. Games are a part of my lifestyle. You know, there's some people that get into it when they're young. There's some people that get into it when they're older, and then it, they, or they die off of it. You know, so um, I feel like what games you were influenced by as you as a kid, or what what shape you in terms of how you grew up in video games and what you like so like i played super mario and stuff but when it when i got to metal gear it was over <laughs> yeah yeah it's so, an interesting point as i was going to yeah. get to was like how did your early early gaming days influence influenced you now which i think we can get to a little bit um a little bit later here i just wanted to know yeah, yeah like you know like, how do you like go route and you know decide on, first of all like how do you decide on what you buy like you know like 
it's a struggle for me to decide on what I want to buy. For me personally, I'll just buy a game if it looks cool on Steam, especially if it's on sale. If I see it's twenty percent off, yeah, sales are a big deal for me. And then I don't play it. And then it's like I'm that typical, you know, every PC gamer will tell you, oh, my backlog, my backlog, you know. And I think that's kind of like a funny thing that gamers have now is we have this backlog of games. We just buy stuff because it's on sale. And that's another thing that comes into play is buying a game at release at $60. Now, I will say for me, there's a few games that I have purchased recently at launch at $60. Most recently, it was Star Wars uh, Jedi Fallen Order because... Uh, I one I love Star Wars. Two, the the developer mm-hmm. uh, respawn was a big reason. Big thing that I look at too is not just because it's, it's Star Wars. I also look at the developer who's making it and the story. From what I read, was very interesting because you're playing as a Jedi, and that's what I love about Star Wars. I don't give a crap about anything else in Star Wars. Really, <laughs> I just like I like you know Jedi, and so I bought that game at launch at sixty dollars. Um, another game recently that I bought was, I touched on a little bit, was Final Fantasy VII Remake. I knew um, it was coming out. I was following following it for the most part. Uh, not too closely, but I knew it was coming. But I knew I was going to buy it anyway just because I loved Final Fantasy VII. And I have faith. That's another thing that I have. I have faith in certain companies. And Square Enix is another one that I have faith in. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing with Square Enix at times. But those are some things that I look at when I buy a game. Um what about you, Ruthie? Um, so, like, for me, um, why I buy a game versus why I play a game, they're different. Um, I don't know if I'm – I feel like I'm kind of a dinosaur on my opinions of, like, why I buy games or what gets me to buy them. Um, I do fall in the trap of if it's, like, if it's, like, horrendously on sale or if it's free, I will get it or download it because I'm, I'm just cheap. Like, I'm going to be honest, if I can get it for cheaper than what it normally is, why would I pay full price later? Right. You know, right. so because the game prices flux, you know, digitally, you know, if it's a physical clothing store or something like that, the price will always continue to keep going down until it's dirt cheap. Um, but in digitally, it'll be on sale like a, a crazy sale one week. And then two weeks later, it'll be like three times that cost right. because the demand has gone up or, or whatever. So well, what pisses um, me off is when they still have a game on there on Steam for like $60, like an Assassin's Creed game that came out like six years ago, it's still $60, but then they mark mm-hmm. it down for 20. Like it's a good deal. Like no Steam, like that game is six years old. Like, and then they play with you like that. And then you're like, oh, it's 20, oh, it's, you know, 40% off or whatever. I'm going to buy it. But there's no reason yeah. why the game should be sixty dollars, but I just think it's funny how they play with us like that. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, and some games are like that too. Like I remember, like a huge thing for a while is when we when more people were, and I think some people still are, but when people were more physical copy, it was like the trade ins. Trade in your old games for credit, you know, store credit and stuff. And if it was like uh, online games, it doesn't matter how old they were, like Assassin's Creed, if they were big titles that earned that, you know, gamer edition, you know, whatever it would be like five years later and they would still be selling those copies for like 50, 60 bucks used. So almost like a 90% of the original cost. But if you trade it in, you'd get like $4 and it's like, what? I know you're going to turn around and sell that for, you know, for like yeah. 50 bucks. So like, I hated that. Oh, whole system. Biggest rip off. <laughs> I oh. hate it so much. I'm like, yeah. ah, so I would get so angry. Um, but basically if it's on sale, I'll do that. Other than that, the way that I view it when I buy games, like if I'm going to buy it when it releases full price, which nowadays is leaning towards 70 for a lot, 
because it used to be like 59 and now a lot of them are starting to do like 64 which makes it like 68 with tax so it's like it's always just flexing just a little bit but uh my thing is is like i think hourly about things like i think about if i pay if i'm paying 60 dollars for this game what what are my gaming hours going towards i guess maybe this is a dumb way to think about it but like like for example, I used to like I said I used to be huge on Call of Duty. Um, I started Modern Warfare Two. I still think that's one of their best games, just because I loved it so much. Great game. Yeah, I loved yes. it. Yeah. I loved it, and that's like basically where I cut my teeth in Call of Duty. So I, that's just <laughs> my thing. So I liked that. Um, so I would play that. But then, like when the next one came out, which I believe after that was was it Black Ops or what came after them? I don't know which one. Anyways. We played that forever. Then Black Ops came out. Um, then you had, you know, like, but anyways, but I noticed each successive game, I would get pissed because, like, the main storyline time went down and down and down. And I'm used to playing games where, like, Mass Effect, the main storyline with side missions is, like, 20-plus hours easily. So, like, for me... Well, Black Ops 4 didn't even have a story, a single player game. Yeah, it didn't even have it, right? And it launched at 60. No, that's my thing. Like, I feel like this is where I feel like I'm a dinosaur because so many people online play is the thing now. But I'm like, okay, but if they couldn't write me, like, a main storyline, I guess the artist in me is kind of like, "Mm." you know, like, I don't want to, like, if all you did was make a system where you could play online with people and you don't even have, like, any lore, any story to tell, I'm not, like, I'm not really digging it. So the fact that they've only written, like, a four hour main story or like this, that one that had no story opposed to when I was first playing them and buying them where it would be like a 12 hour story, like a 12 where you had like 30 missions and, you know, and stuff like that. So my thing is, is like main story time is what dictates me, you know, how long will I spend in this game alone? But that's because I'm not a huge online player for a lot of things. I'm just not, not for those games anyways. Um, but yeah, it just depends. But that—that's, I know, like it's—it's it's one of those things. I don't I, think that's necessarily being a dinosaur because the games that I purchase at launch, they've been single player games. Um, as I've gotten older, so what happened was with the Xbox 360, there was a series of games, mostly Battlefield. So Battlefield, Bad Company Two had come out. That was a yeah, game yeah. that really my core group of friends that I have that play video games together. Um, we always call back to we talk about the memories and everything um, yeah battlefield bad company 2 is yeah. a great game and that was a game where like we spent so much time together and so that kind of started for me i actually looked at will this game be something that i play with my friends as well you know and so that's something mm-hmm. i looked at when i would buy a game if it was multiplayer was like, like that's what stopped me from playing call of duty was because none of my friends would play it they all were playing bat- uh, battlefield and that kind of swayed me was the camaraderie that I got and the fun that I had with my friends with these games. Not not so much these days anymore. We don't really play as much. NBA 2K, the last 2K19, 2K20 was a, a nice game for us to get together, but it wasn't like our like 10 group of friends that played together back in the day. It was only like three or four of us. But that was another game recently that was one of the reasons why I bought it was because one of my friends who I played Bad Company 2 with was told me he was getting it for PS4, so that's why I bought it, and we played, and it kind of sparked like this thing. So it's another thing for me, which was interesting when you talked about multiplayer, was I actually thought about, will I play this with my friends? And that was the reason why I bought some games in the past. But you were saying you were a dinosaur, which I don't necess- necessarily <laughs> think that's true because, like I said, the two main games that I just bought at launch were are only 
you know, single player games. And, and, mm-hmm. and some of the most memorable games that I've played recently have been single player games. I'm kind of with you where I, I'm more inclined now to play games like Sinew with Sacrifice, Last of Us, Uncharted, all these games. I just play the Resident Evil 3 remake. I mean, all these games that I loved and that I've played have been single player. I've kind of swayed away from my love for online games um, for whatever mm-hmm. reason, what have you. I think it's because yeah. I can't, my, most of my friends don't play it anymore. But I don't think you're necessarily dinosaur in that aspect. I think that a lot of people are kind of gone that yeah. route. I don't think online gaming is as big as companies or the industry thinks. I think it was a big mistake for Black... You know, well, it's Call of Duty. People just love Call of Duty. We all know that. It gets, yeah. you know made fun of and stuff because uh whatever what have you but it's just one of those games where people are going to buy it regardless every year it comes out it's like madden you know like madden will release every year people are going to buy it not me anymore but you know yeah i actually lost it with it but that's how call of duty is people are just going to buy it i mean they could just say we're not going to have single player and people will still buy it so yeah they um, they will and yeah i guess maybe that's what it is maybe i've just made the transition of that i play more games alone and stuff i mean streaming is fun but i don't have to play with anybody and things like that and like so you know but i do remember like back then when we were all when you had the gang you know the group together and stuff we would buy the same multiplayer games like together we'd all you know or like uh i guess the most recent one of any of that would be like destiny me and me and uh, two of my best pals, you know, because you have a fire time fire team of three. Mm-hmm. Like we would, we would like, are you getting the DLC or like, are you getting the new one? Are you are we waiting? You know, like it was like a big collective decision, yep. like for yeah. all three of us. Like, that was something that I experienced with uh, the division, the first division. So like, you remember Robert and Justin? So we all went and went to GameStop on a work night, like on a f- <laughs> <laughs> and. We went and went to the midnight release and all went back to our houses and played until PT. I remember that day because you yeah. guys were came to formation and you guys were all like, ugh. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, so. Ugh, so dead. Like, <laughs> looked like zombies. It was hilarious. And then I came in the office and Kettenhoff and Justin was just sitting there like, I was like, oh, you were playing The Division last night, weren't you? I was like, yeah. Yeah, but so here's the thing. So, like, I liked the idea of The Division, but, like, I didn't do my own personal research about it, right? So, like, I didn't know it was going to be, like, these spongy enemies, you know what I mean? And then um, when I finally started playing it, I got through it, you know, playing with Justin and a a few other people, but I eventually got really sick of it, and I felt stupid for buying it because i didn't enjoy it as much as i would have thought i would have and that's another thing that can get under a gamer's skin is like when you buy a game you 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 so like for example actually i bought monster hunter because of you and uh that your buddy ty ty yeah, yeah. and then we played i didn't like i it. have i have like 18 minutes of logged game time <laughs> and i spent 60 bucks on it yeah i bought it at launch too, and, and i, I, was and like, I have yeah. no plans yeah of no. revisiting it I'm with you. Ever. Man. I am so, with you. So you can you can you can understand my frustration with this stuff. So um and I'm pretty sure that you feel the same way because of uh you just got uh not only just Star Wars, you got uh Death Stranding. Oh you know? that was an, oh and, I forgot. Thank you for reminding me. Oh I'm so mad with that game. <laughs> That's where my faith in a developer, Kojima bites you in the ass right yeah. it's when you that's you another say, thing too is you have that faith like you were saying but you have it in like um you have faith in in like a game genre or a game creator so like for example i bought uh 
I remember I saw the trailer for Breakpoint for uh, Ghost Recon in, um, when I was in NTC on my phone. And I was so excited. I was like freaking out. Me and my buddies were like jumping for joy because this game. And then we got it. And I was like, yo, what is this crap? Like <laughs> they went for a Division-esque like spongy enemies and weapon tiers and all of this stuff. And I was like, this is not the Ghost Recon that I enjoy. You know, so and then they they eventually patched it. And now they have the realism mode where there's no weapon tiers or anything like that. So I might get back into it, but I haven't decided yet. But no, you're not. This is, no one's playing I, that game right now. <laughs> I can guarantee a lot of you people. Go, a lot of people have gone back because of it. Oh, I, I've heard so much crap about that game. I saw like it was free for a weekend or something or some deal. And I was like, I have no interest in playing that game and I'm not playing it. Well, the the game itself is not. I don't know. It could be better. But then again. A lot of people were like on the fence about uh, what is it called? Uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands. Yeah, that was it turned but out to be really good though. It was. I didn't yeah, play it. It was bad. But... It was really bad yeah. when it came out, and then it got good. Like after the after they listened to the community and patched it, and that's what's happening now. I think is that they're. They did the same thing with Siege. When Siege came out, everyone hated it. it was terrible, but now it's like one of the top most played games, one of the top stream games on Twitch. Like People love that game still, even with all yeah. the issues with it. One of the things that I don't understand about Siege is, uh, <laughs> this is like a personal gripe of mine, and my buddy Michael, he's like, oh my god, you're always thinking about practical things, it's just a game, just play it, right? <laughs> but it's like, these things are important to me, you know, and they matter to me. They're all, all the operators are part of Rainbow Six. Why are they fighting each other? It's a game. <laughs> exactly! <laughs> That's what he said. It's a game, man. Let it go. Um, no, I say, so, hey, some people, some people just have the issue. It just doesn't make sense to them, so that they can't play it. I guess. But um, yeah. I wanted to add. I wanted to ask you guys one more question regarding this, and then we'll move on to the remake thing. But uh, Ruthie, so we already mentioned when you played stuff when you were younger as a kid, you know, as a child, you know, that definitely influences you when you get older to what you play now. I think because it definitely does for me. So what? How does that influence you now when you look at games that you play or purchase? You know, what are how, how do you look at that? What do you think about that? Um, so, I, oh um, so this is, uh, this is kind of a tough subject for me, like for a mm-hmm. whole second, um, because I used to pick what games I, like, it's funny, like I said, I think I've changed my transition. I play games alone more now, but I think when I was younger, it was which ones could I play that <clears throat> people that were, you know, like my brothers that we could also play or that we could play together or we could watch each other. And stuff like that. Um, but nowadays I've transitioned more into playing alone and things like that. And part yeah. of it is because everybody grows up, you get married, you have kids and, and different stuff and, and you go separate ways. And so like the old crew getting it back together to play games is so hard, mm-hmm. which is not anybody's fault. Everybody understands, but it's just like, oh, why would I spend money on a game that we're never going to play together? Um and most games, they seem to be driven one way or the other now, you know, like mm-hmm. it's going to be mainly predominantly online or it's going to be, you know, solo. So uh, the last one I got that was anything online uh, that I paid for was like Fallout 76. Oh, I'm sorry. I regret. <laughs> yeah, I regret it. Oh, I regret really? it so much. Well, because I have friends and we were like, we love Fallout. We're all into Fallout. We could play together. And then like we got online. And we each just played it, like, just to play it by ourselves to, like, you know, get used to it, get, you know, figure everything out. 
And then I think by the end of the week, we had like one session together and they're like, okay, yeah, maybe we'll play again sometime. I don't think any of us picked the game back <laughs> up, like to be honest. Like, I don't think anybody just picked it up on their own. Like, it was just bad. Um, it reminds me of that uh, meme. It was like, I'll see you later online. And it's like, last time online seven years ago. <laughs> when <you're> like, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, like. It's that as far as like content wise, though, I've always been into like RPGs and like storytelling. I grew up like, yeah, I, I think that's my thing. Storytelling. Like, what is the story that they're telling? Uh, that's just my vibe, my thing. So I think that's why growing up, I played like Zelda and, yeah. you know, everything like that. I played Zelda. I played Turok. I, I played like all these different games. Oh, Turok. Um, Turok. Yeah. And then like, so when I got older, of course, games that come out like Skyrim, which to me is like this crazy Dungeons and Dragons, like Zelda, you know, like for that, you know, that's a good good example. I I mean, it just kind of is. So it's, you know, and then Mass Effect, I love, uh, but I mean, Mass Effect is Skyrim, like in space a little bit. Like, I don't know. Like, it's funny. Like I, I play like a lot of the same stuff, first person, everything like that. So I like that, and I like some collection elements. I grew up a lot. I liked playing Mario, where you collect the things in the level, so it doesn't surprise me that I love playing Assassin's Creed, where you have to collect every gosh damn feather <laughs> and, like, viewpoint and, like, clear out the map and stuff. You know? Like, I don't know. There's, It's just funny things. I, I don't play a whole lot with people online anymore, but, yeah, so nowadays it's like, what, I, what can I play? I like a little bit of variety and stuff, but I find that I'm a very methodical player. I like exploring. I like a storytelling, but I like um, uh, objective. You know, like I like objective stuff. Yeah, too. I mean, I think it's always nice to have. Like, I don't, I hate a game where I'm playing and I don't know what to do. Like, you know, like I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, I think it's like how MMOs can be sometimes when you're playing. Like, I remember playing World of Warcraft when it first came out, and I was like, "What do I do now?" And at the time, internet like wikis and stuff weren't as big, so it didn't really. I didn't really enjoy that. But no, when I was younger, I think what spawned my love for multiplayer games began with contra when contra was out i had a group of friends it was like three or four of us on nintendo and that was the game like the with the contra code and then the sequel which came out later was called super c we played those games like all the time that was all that we played for the longest but it was co-op it was together and we just had a blast doing it and i think that kind of transitioned me to my love for online multiplayer games because i love playing with my friends uh, and then another thing that you touched on was like zelda was like storytelling games so zelda was one which really didn't have a lot of storytelling but it had that um exploring aspect of it which is really cool um and was frustrating at the time because remember there was no internet so when you're trying to burn a bush to get to the dungeon i was like oh, gosh. <laughs> like how are you supposed to figure that out how am um, i supposed to do this yeah, yeah right um but so that that uh also uh transitioned my love for i think rpgs or just adventure games to to explore and find stuff um but the one thing that that made me love like uh the shooter thing too with contra that i think that was another reason like there's another game called akari warriors that also drove my love for uh shooting games was i played a lot of them um as a kid too but the one thing that drove my love for RPGs to this day was Final Fantasy 3 on Super Nintendo, which was also considered 6 in Japan. So nowadays we would just call Final Fantasy 6. And that was like one of my favorite all-time games, which is something I'm going to touch on in the next topic. And that kind of solidified my love for JRPGs and RPGs in general. And then definitely I feel like that's why I still play some. I, I, don't, I like turn-based combat. I like 
you know, surprise combat uh, mechanics. And so that's definitely what's what transitioned for me as a kid that it still holds true today for me. Um, Josh, what about you before we move on to the to the last topic? I don't know. Turn-based games aren't really my thing, but I understand that. You know what? You're done. We're done. You know, what you are know you talking what? about? <laughs> I, with this whole so, topic is about personal preference. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah, what, do, what is your opinion? You're this dead is my, to me. Get out. Yeah. Get out. No, Your um, opinion is so, wrong. <laughs> it's so funny because you were like, I'm not really into turn-based combat. And the funny thing is, is I'm not either. You know what? Like, screw both of you guys. You know what? I'm doing a show by myself. <laughs> the funny thing is, is I'm not on like digital games, but I love D&D tabletop, which is all turn-based. Yeah. It's completely turn-based and it takes so much longer, especially when you have a group of like five people and everybody has to take their turn. A like, like forty second you know battle takes like I've an hour. I've always wanted to, to learn D and D too, but I have never taken the time to do so. It's fun. I love it. But you know, it's but it's funny though that that I hate it on consoles. I hate it digitally. It like maybe it's because I'm by myself, you know, and I'm just playing a game. But it's funny on tabletop. I could sit there and watch people. Like I could just sit there. So it's funny. Yeah. Go on, then, Josh. <laughs> Mm. but so what about you Josh do you see anything that from when you were a child influenced you on how you purchase and what you play today well yeah of course I mean um I've always been like drawn to like you know like military stuff so that I guess that's why I kind of not really big into like I mean I, I've played Mario right when I was a kid yeah I who hasn't too. played Mario but it's I'm not yeah. like oh my god Mario, Mario Maker is coming, you know yeah. what I mean? But my kid, my son, you know, he's super into that kind of stuff. So he's into the the less intensive uh, kind of game. And that's I don't hold it against him. Of course, every parent is like, oh, I need to influence my children to like what they like so that we can have things to contact with. But, you know, it, at the same time, I have to let him be his own person. And I'm pretty sure, Peter, you can understand that. You do your best to try and influence them. But at the end of the day, you do understand that they need to be their own person. But... For me, I was I've always been sur- surrounded by like action movies and GI Joes and you know, I watched Band of Brothers when I was like when it came out. I don't even remember how old I was, but I was young, you know, and I watched that show and it had a big influence on me and I watched my cousins, my older cousins play their like military adult style games and you know, all of that stuff has a hold on you and you want to emulate that for yourself and so I remember the reason I liked Metal Gear so much. I was staying in New York. I was visiting my uh, mom's cousins, and uh, one of them was a little younger, not like my age or anything, but he was younger than she was. And I remember uh, visiting, and we were in his room, and he was playing Metal Gear, and we played. He played it, and I kind of just like laid on the or sat on the ground and watched him. And I was just like, I need to play this game so much, <laughs> like thinking to myself. So those influences that you have as a child, I think they do play a big role. And they did, especially for me. I'm not really sure how, what kind of, what exact game I played that was like, this is the kind of stuff you like. It was probably Contra, because Contra was a big deal for me when I was a kid, because uh, I had it on Super Nintendo, and I was like, these Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. killing aliens, hell yeah, brother, you know, but um, I feel like that might have been it, but... <laughs> Metal Gear Brother? was definitely a big, staple, <laughs> a, a big staple of my uh, a big staple of my childhood was was uh, Metal Gear. So yeah, uh, I definitely think that it influenced. And since Metal Gear has like this very slight futuristic contemporary feel to it, 
I feel like that's one of the reasons I enjoyed it so much. So yeah, the original I would say the original Metal Gear Solid didn't go like full on off the rails like some of the later ones have, and and it was like one of the first games to really have that cinematic feel. So it just really yeah, was, it just I definitely was, something I enjoyed. It was so groundbreaking with the, all the voice acting and like I can definitely see how Metal Gear Solid could influence. I played that when I was in my early teens, so it still has influenced me to this day. That and Final Fantasy VII was another game that really got me, but at my younger age, it was it was like the older games, like Final Fantasy III and, and Contra. But yeah, it's crazy how we look at what we play when we're younger and kind of like how it, it treats us now when we decide to what we play. Um, but that being said, I, I want to move on now to the to the last topic, that we have which is about the remakes so there's been some really good remakes that have come out this past year because resident evil 2 remake came out january of last year and then resident evil 3 came out last month the remake of that and then final fantasy 7 remake came out last week and they've all been pretty well received re resident evil 3 had has some issues with i guess the replay value and the time it takes because it is fairly quick i've played I'm playing Final Fantasy VII. I played Resident Evil 3. Um, so I looked at some information. Uh, Resident Evil 3 Remake has shipped more than 2 million copies in its first five days after release. And Capcom announced on the 13th of April that the publisher said nearly half of the Xbox One, PS4, and PC game sales have come digitally. That's another interesting point, which we haven't talked about, is digital versus physical. Uh, Resident Evil 2, which released, like I said, 25 January 2019, uh, remake has now this is currently shipped more than 6.5 million units which has surpassed the original resident evil 2 on playstation and then uh the 17th is friday we don't really have sales numbers yet on final fantasy 7 remake but there's this company i think it's called gamstat that scrapes the playstation network api for player numbers and it recorded 2.3 million players of final fantasy 7 remake in just three days after launch which makes it was it what did it say the third most could be the most third most successful PlayStation 4 exclusive behind God of War and Marvel's Spider-Man. So these are mm-hmm. some some really some really impressive numbers coming from remakes, stuff that's already been out, you know, and, and it I have certain feelings so when I look at remakes, I think of originality and on its surface I'm like I don't like that because I want I want people to be I want to see new things. And it's the same thing with movies I have an issue with. There's a lot of we see a lot of non original stuff, things that are coming from comic books, which are all good in that aspect, but then it makes people not want to take risks on things like Inception mm-hmm. and other things like that. So I, I was like my question was, are remakes a good thing? You know, Ruthie, what do you think? Uh yeah. I kind of agree. Like I know we've kind of talked about this before, but as a storyteller, as somebody that loves stories and things like that, I do get kind of tired of the remakes because I prefer original ideas, uh, you know, or at least building on them, which I actually think is probably the success of the new Final Fantasy um, because they've added so much more that was, I guess, it was canon, but it wasn't seen in the original game, I guess. Uh, you know, things that had happened behind the scenes. Yeah, so they took the I, first I, I five hours of the original okay, yeah. story, and they expanded that out to, like, 40 hours is what basically yeah. did. Yeah, that's that's basically what my one friend was um, trying to explain to me is they said, well, you know, when you're playing, you know all this is happening behind the scenes, but in the old game, you never saw it. 
So they've added that, you know, to give it more time, to give you more, you know, more of the world, more of the characters and everything. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, you know, and so I'm like, I liked that, that it was not just like, hey, we straight up took the game and just uh, revamped it digitally to look new. Um, I feel like they added a lot and they got it just right. And they had to come up with character concepts and things that they didn't have originally. So I give them like a lot of credit for that. And a lot of people do seem to like. Love it. It's what everybody's talking about. <laughs> um, like everybody I know, they they go on like on and on about it. So it's good that they're enjoying it and stuff. Usually I'm more like, mm, but I think that they did so much with it and have given. I feel like they've given. Um, I don't feel like it was a lazy game remake, if that makes sense. I feel like they've really given fans something new, but also something to return to with those nostalgia fills. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I know the big thing is like the debates right now. I was joking. I wasn't trying to start shit. I promise. <laughs> but yeah. there was this debate with some guy friends and they were like, who's your girl, you know, and stuff. And it was like, oh, man, it's always been Tifa. But like, man, now that I'm playing the, you know, now that I'm playing this and stuff, like I'm just seeing Aerith in a whole different way, you know, and they've got they already know what's going to happen in the future for these characters. Yeah. But like in my head, I've also seen newer art for the characters like in later games i guess you know there's always been like higher arts for the later games for some of them and so i was just like call me crazy but like haven't you seen these characters like because they kept going on about how they look or you know like digitally like seeing them all pretty and super high you know pixelized to art or whatever and I'm like, haven't you seen these characters all along? Don't you know what they look like? I, I swear every time there's been a game, there's been these beautiful posters, you know, that I've seen for for Final Fantasy and stuff. And they're like, oh, well, not all of them. And it like started a tangent. But I mean, like my point is, though, is that I like that they were able to. Uh, they gave you new looks, new things, new dialogues, new character things. But they also stuck true to like, you know, your childhood crushes. Or, you know, like, or just the things you really loved about it the first time around, so. Right. Yeah, it's it's very, I played, so I'm, I'm playing Final Fantasy VII, and boy, have they, I will say, they've done a fantastic job at just blending enough of what we know about the mm-hmm. world into modern day, like, game mechanics and graphics and changing up the combat. At first, I was like, oh, it's not quite turn-based like it was in the original Final Fantasy VII, so the way they made the combat sort of real time and also there's some aspects of turn base in it uh and then like i said graphically i I, it's so beautiful like it's just i love that game so much so so much that i've played already and it's it just did such a tremendous job and it just makes me wonder like 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 can we get is this a good thing though? Like, is it? And I think right now, yes, I'd say yes that this is a good thing if it's done right. Because mm-hmm. Josh, yeah. I was going to bring up to you was <clears throat> remember when uh, Twin Snakes came out on the GameCube? Oh yeah, right. And it was cool, but it was almost like almost it's like too much, too, too much too right? Much. Exactly. And it was almost too much. Like uh, I don't, I'm not sure. I feel, and a lot of people kind of agree with us. Uh, Metal Gear fans kind of agree with this, and so that's why I wonder, like. You know, is this take away from now our game company is going to be worried about same thing what's going on with the movie industry or game company is going to be more worried about releasing something new and original? I don't think that's going to be the case because video games historically have that's what they 
we've seen so many new IPs come out over the years, like Gears of War, um, Uncharted. We've seen um, Horizon Zero Dawn, and then we just had uh, Last of Us. So we have all these new original IPs that have come out, but um, it's just so interesting to me that how popular they are and how successful they are. Yeah, um, what do you think? Because, it, and in my opinion, remakes uh, can sometimes be like an opportunity for the game studio or the creator to be like, "This is the way I intended it to be told." Mm-hmm. You know, so like, for example, in Twin Snakes, Snake jumps off a Hellfire missile mid-flight and mm-hmm. kicks it, and it completely changes the missile's trajectory. That's some that's some crazy anime shit, all right? Yeah. And it's cool to watch, but you're like, playing the original, you're like, come on, there's yeah. nope, nope, I don't care how fantastical Metal Gear gets. But I liked what they did with, uh, you know, RE2, the remake. It was a lot of fun, and it was. It felt. It felt like the only thing that changed were some of the mechanics, but visually, it was very. It was. It was like a breath of fresh air to be like, "Oh, I love this game so much, and I get to see it even clearer, and I get to see people's expressions, and I just don't have to hit listen to people go, oh, how dare you!' Like <laughs> that's really bad voice acting and stuff like that. So, um, I don't know. I feel like uh, remakes can be good, but they can also be. Um, they can be challenging for the fans because if you like something the way that it is and you don't feel like it needs to be fixed and then let's say you tip into a remake of a game that you already enjoyed and now it's not what it used to be at least not for you like emotionally um how do you how do you you know repair yourself from that because like i said i enjoyed twin snakes i wasn't like it wasn't as groundbreaking for me but graphically it was nice to look at but it didn't ruin the original for you because you know that the yeah, original. Yeah, it didn't ruin it. Yeah, the original is what you hold true. Um, yeah, you're gonna take what you think is. I think majority of people took like the original Metal Gear Solid is as like that's the original. That's what they took it as. Twin Snakes is this kind of like a cool retelling of it. Um, yeah. Some of the things was was nice. Like I think seeing the stuff that the ninja was doing. Um, yeah, Gray Fox. That was, that was nice. That was actually it was like so over the top and like him dodging bullets in slow mo, but like. I kind of feel like that was on point because that's what you would expect from him, you know, yeah. being like the cyborg ninja. And that was like, that was so cool to see because we didn't get anything like that in the original just because of, of technology wasn't there yet. But I mean, seeing him do these like twists and turns and slow-mo dodging bullets was really cool. So in that aspect, that was kind of nice to see, but it's just sort of like a retelling, right? And it didn't, didn't ruin it for you. Um, the original for you, but it was just no. kind of cool. Um, and then, so that was when, when, so out of the three games that I mentioned, Resident Evil 3 is the one that kind of had like the most controversy. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter bickering about like, they, there's some, I don't remember a whole lot from the original Resident Evil 3. I did play, I did beat it when I was younger, but I don't remember, I remember more from the Resident Evil 2, uh, original, but a lot of people were complaining. They left out some things like there was a clock tower instance, which was very memorable for a lot of people. Um, and the game time was rather short now i can i can agree to that i beat it in about six hours which is about average for most but the original game was about the same the thing with average time yeah. was about five hours so a lot of people were having this bickeringness between it and they had hey look i will say that the game looked graphically looked fantastic and the way they redid um jill valentine's like i like i see you <laughs> Ruth, you're you know, talking a lot about... of people, there was like a whole community of people like, bring back the mini skirt. And I was yeah, like, that okay. was really weird. So that's the thing. That, I really, that really upset me. 
That's so that's really weird to me. It was like something that small of a detail. Like they gave her a skirt instead of a skirt, or was it shorts? I'm trying to think. It was I didn't a get that. It was a skirt. Yeah, so I didn't have that. I didn't pre-order it, so I didn't get that skin, which kind of pissed me off about that too. I had the jeans and tank top, which was fine. Didn't ruin anything <laughs> for me. But but nobody but nobody really made really... a big deal about Claire in Resident exactly. Evil. Exactly. So Claire's outfit was completely fitting from an understanding of like functional fucking attire i'm sorry but it's fine in in the original resident evil 2 she's wearing like daisy red red blood red daisy dukes with like lycra underneath and even as a kid i was like why are you wearing that aren't there like zombies that like if they scratch you you die like oh don't even get into the to the logic of resident evil (laughs) exactly but no, but you know so, I, yeah, I feel like there's so, two different debates here, like the, the logic of Resident Evil and then just the logic of girl companions slash player characters and their outfits. In yeah, but in and then I had I enjoyed her outfit, like it it seemed functional to me. That's the thing that bothers me that people are like it's just a game. Is like when people don't wear functional attire. <laughs> Fair, you know what I mean. So yeah, like I could when, see she, that. when she had her red jacket and like those the jeans, I was like, that's perfectly fine. And then Jill in this one has like her tank top and the jeans. It's like it makes sense to me that like a person realistically, because I like games that simulate realism or they they do their best to do so. So realistically, it like it's an outfit that it makes sense. But if the main character is running around wearing a chain made out of wearing a suit made out of chains. You know, that's something that I'm like, okay, we need to calm down. I get it's a video game and it's supposed to be all fantastical, but for the situation, this doesn't make sense. Well, so you you touched on the outfit of skirt versus skort controversy, which is kind of funny uh, to me personally. It's funny because it's so literally close. (laughs) Right. Yeah, and then people are like freaking out. And there's actually mods. People actually released mods. I was was researching it, and people actually released mods to make it more more aesthetically pleasing or more aesthetically close to the original which is really weird to me because it's such a minor detail but this is the kind of things that i think you run into with remakes and some people will latch on to these things like game mechanics like a lot of people i found out were upset that final fantasy 7 wasn't gonna be truly turn-based like the original and so these are the things that i i find interesting that it's hard you can't please everybody with the remake and i and that's why yeah. I think I think what Resident Evil Two did and, Res- and Final Fantasy Seven Remake did was they did enough to please almost everyone. Uh, whereas Resident Evil Three kind of so some reason they missed the bar on some of the stuff for whatever reason people were upset with. It's still a great game, still sold really well, looks amazing, it's still fun to play. I I think, but that's the thing when it comes to these remakes is. You're not going to be able to please everyone. I think that's what's when you're a creator. That's something that's going to be very it's almost like a weight on your shoulders when you're making this game is like how if you especially if you're somebody that did, what didn't work on the original and you're doing a retelling of it you know um but that's in the, my next question is like what makes a good versus bad remake you know and um mm-hmm. like what do you guys think ruthie what do you think what makes it a good remake versus a bad remake when it comes to video games uh to me it to me is the la- lazy thing i i think i liked how josh said that you know, when they can take it and tell the story, you know, the way it was meant to be told in the fact that you have so much more available to you now. Like a, a lot of these remakes didn't have the technology to have like 
the beautiful graphics, the timing, you know, all these different things. It's funny that even with things really, even with Final Fantasy or Resident Evil being released, they already had like variants for appearance. They had like all these things that you can tell that they could have put in there that they wanted people to have options. But I think my thing is, is you just, I just don't want them to be lazy. I guess it's my thing. Yeah. Like, if you want to do a remake, do a remake. But it, it, we are. I think we already talked about this with the Disney remakes. If all you did was put live action people and just make it look similar and give me the same exact story, to me that was lazy. Soulless. I, I re- That's exactly yeah, how it. Yeah. It. So yeah, like to me, it's so mechanical. It's so like mass produced. I guess you know. Like I'm just like, mm. like I feel like I don't want to give you my money in that sense because. You didn't do anything, to be honest. All you did was take the tools you had and build something, you know, that was so primordial. You could have done, like, with the tools we have now, you could have done it so basic, and it still would have been more than the old one. Yeah. You know, in that sense, especially when you're talking, like, the advances of medium for video games now. Like, nowadays, I don't, I think more people would have trouble making a, a very, like, caveman type game now because there's no there's a it's harder to dumb games down visually in a lot of sense than to just work with what's so streamlined now so but to me is it lazy but if you actually come up with more stuff i think i think that's what makes it good remake is you actually have some artistic direction and some story and you know you really think about you consider the people that are returning to it and you consider the people that know nothing about it um, would be my, I guess that would be my thing. So no, that makes, I think that makes sense. Remake. Yeah. I think that all, that all makes sense for the most part. Um, Josh, what about you? I mean, didn't I already answer this question about what makes it a good remake versus bad? Oh, for what makes it a good remake. So I feel like they have to make the player feel exactly the way they felt the original time and maybe Mm -hmm. not exactly but like if they touch on those feelings again like if they're able to make because that's why people buy remakes like at least people that have played the game before they're like i've already played the game i know what happens but they get it because they want to relive that experience and maybe a better light or maybe the experience is slightly enhanced but as long as they make them feel the same thing that they did before like oh i love Resident Evil or I love Halo Combat Evolved but now they did like they did that remake you know the Master Chief Edition you know that people they have the updated graphics it's the same experience it's just See, it that, just looks better that to me though is different that's not a complete not? remake that is a an HD like upgrade they didn't completely overhaul the game and change the graphics they took the same engine but updated like the textures and stuff that to me isn't a true remake where you bring in all new people or redo all of the 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 engine like Resident Evil three and two that was a completely different engine. Resident uh, the Final Fantasy seven game was a completely re different different engine, different game mechanics, different voice actors. Just everything is completely like from scratch different. Whereas the Master Chief Collection was basically just an updated version of the game, uh, and I don't consider those true remakes. That's just me. Well, I don't. People cons- still bought them. True. There's a difference, though, in my my opinion. There's a difference between that and what they did with Resident Evil three two and Final Fantasy seven. Okay, but. I guess I can I guess I can see your point, but I still stand by the whole like what makes it good. 
what makes it good is it as long as it makes people relive that experience you know yeah yeah i could yeah i could give it I, so for me i think what makes a good remake versus bad i think one is uh the nostalgia you have to be able to be able to touch on that so i guess make them feel similar feelings to what they had or get close to it but then you also have i think you have to actually surpass that you actually have to like make that feeling come back but you also have to make it almost in a sense feel better than what they originally felt and that's really tough to do with a good remake but that's what final fantasy 7 and other resident evils did with the graphical enhancement and putting you in this world that felt way more real at least in the resident evils case right because when you play now the other ones it's like pretty funny it's almost laughable when you look at the graphics and the voice acting and stuff um, so they almost yeah. improved everything in, in, in that in the, with the story and the graphics and everything and then also being able to tell the same story but almost give it enough twist to make it your own which is definitely what Final Fantasy 7 is doing um, Resident Evil 3 and 2 sort of did um, in that aspect but um as you can see, with remakes, which technically Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes was a complete remake, you can see where you can shortchange your 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 story by not not capturing that feel of the original, which definitely Twin Snakes, in my opinion, did not. It definitely changed the feel of the game and the story. Yeah. Um, but that's it. That was the last thing I had for uh, the main topic. So um, that being said. Cool. It's been this episode was really fun. It was really great to talk about. I've been dying to talk <laughs> yeah. about all this stuff, and I hope to do a Final Fantasy VII discussion at some point in time once I beat it. But um, so first, I'm going to say thank you to to you, Ruthie, to Josh for coming on and doing this episode today. Um, mm-hmm. If you, anyone wants to reach out to you, Ruthie, how how should they do that? Uh, they should just pop me, follow me on Twitter. It's at RenRuthie. Uh, and that's where I just put all my news and everything that I'm going on and uh, kind of shit post as well. So that's yes. probably a good spot. <laughs> uh, Josh, how about you? If people want to reach out to you, it's uh, Wick the Scout on Twitter. Uh, that's about it, really. And awesome. I'm on Facebook. Um, yeah, and if you want to reach out, you reach out to me. You can just go to nerdsadulting.com. Uh, make sure to have everyone's social media stuff on there as well. You can find new what new posts, new blog posts, new podcasts, all on that website. Everything's there in one-stop shop. So uh, thank you to everyone for listening. And, oh, if you have any any critiques, anything that you do like, anything that you don't like, uh, please email me at peter at nerdsadulting.com. And I would love to hear your take. I'll send you a free T-shirt too if you do. So let me know. Uh, that being said, Ooh, free T-shirts. Yeah, <laughs> free T-shirt. Uh, so that's it. I want to thank everybody for coming, for listening, and thank you, Josh, and thank you, Ruthie. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Next time.